Hey, Richard Gottlieb. Hello, Chris. My feet are hurting more than ever. And this is the Playground Podcast, the third day at the Nuremberg Show. We've been, we've been, uh, we didn't do this right. We've been jumping back and forth from hall to hall, you know, thousands of steps just <laughs> to make an interview. Well, I tell you, it's, um, it's been a lot of walking, uh, and a lot of people. But I, I tell you, it's uh, it's been a great show, uh, and I've really enjoyed being here. Oh, it's been it's been great. And, and we were talking earlier about you know the coronavirus being top of mind for everybody. But as you were saying, people aren't aren't scared of it; they're just conscious. Yeah, except for the people walking around in masks. There's a few of them. There's not as many as a few. There's a, there's a few people who won't shake hands, right? Uh, because they don't want to catch anything. And uh, uh, but but really, very very minor element here. Mostly, I thought. The good energy on the floor, I think it's positive. Uh, and and uh, one of the things, that Chris, I always like about this show, I, I feel like it, it it's always just seems fresh. Yeah, it does. And, and the design is great, and, and everything seem, is seeming pretty good. You know, one of the things I was struck by when after we talked to uh, Ernst Kick uh, yesterday. The CEO the of CEO uh, Spielberg and Mesa. Was that, that a lot of what he was saying about the importance of Toy Fair was a lot of what Marion Bassard told us uh, a couple of weeks ago, talking about the personal connections and people being in, able to interact, and that that's, one of the, that's still one of the things that really drives the validity of a, of a toy fair or a trade fair. Well, the, the importance of FaceTime. Uh, real, not 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 screen FaceTime, but real, <laughs> real physical FaceTime with people. Uh, I think that's some other things. The the delight in seeing people that you really like and you maybe only see once a year. Right. Oh, the, absolutely. The, the the dread of seeing people you really don't like <laughs> and seeing them, but then you only see them once a year. A year. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think that the opportunity to uh, share information with people from different places um, and get get different context and different points of view on what's happening in the world is invaluable. And if you come to a show like this, you come out of here with a, with a business advantage over oh. people who did not come. Absolutely. And I think if nothing else, you have context. You have context for for where the trends are in, in actual fact, who, who's showing what, uh, who's giving you a better price, who's, uh, who's working with you a little more. Uh, certainly one of the issues that I've been talking to a lot of people about has been royalties and licensing and the changing nature of licensing and what does that mean for toys as we move forward. Can you tell? Do you, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Well, I think one of the one of the things that's been a big issue is what is the value of a major movie license in a world where kids are doing their own programming? They're competing for YouTube. They're competing for all of these other uh, entertainment. Uh, options when kids have limited screen time to begin with. So, Correct. So does that mean that the major studios are going to have to rethink their licensing strategies and especially their royalty strategies going ahead? And we don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a topic that's being much discussed here. Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting point. And um, the other thing I noticed, Chris, was, um, uh, and I just want to go to this for a second, is you know there is some concern among toy leadership uh, that uh, the virus, the uh, coronavirus, could have an impact on the industry in terms of workers either being unwilling to come to work or, or unable to come to work, concerns about uh, people in China. A lot of design work is done in China. A lot of finishing is done in China. Um, in the next few weeks, is critical times for design work. Uh, how will the toy industry be in- impacted? On the other hand, Chris, I'm told by uh, folks that... Um, um, 
if it's going to happen as far as shipping is concerned, it, what would be impacted would be April and May, and those are not the strongest shipping ones. Right, right. And and I think that, that the working relationships with the Chinese factories, you'll see people really bending over backwards to, to make this stuff, to, to compensate for this stuff. We've been through this before with SARS. Uh, this seems a little bit more dramatic. The World Health Organization just... Uh, named the coronavirus a world health uh, crisis, so so it's it's a little bit higher than than it was with SARS, but it's still uh, it will pass, right? Uh, and um, so I, I think those are kind of the 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 core issues here. I, I did have the pleasure last night, Chris, of attending a women in toys uh, dinner uh, at uh, the Maritime Hotel. It was very nice there. Uh, we saw some uh, familiar faces and, and some new faces there. Uh, you and I went to uh, the big banquet the other night. Right. Uh, there was like a really a, well over a thousand people there. Maybe, that was huge. Maybe they two have in the, in the sports arena. The, yeah. The, all the tables filled the floor of a sports arena. Imagine that in New York. Yeah, no, it was it was, it was pretty amazing. And by the way, a, a difference between a European uh, or an Asian uh, event and an American event is they, people don't walk around and talk. It's people sit at tables. Right. This, this notion that we have where we go to the cocktail parties and they really function as opportunities to, to network. More limited so right. uh, at these events just because it's, it's stationary. Right. It's stationary and, and people want to eat. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> Immediately. Immediately. So we had, a, we had an opportunity over the last couple of days to talk to a couple of other people. We're going to bring you those interviews. We talked to... Uh, your friend, Gary Kalman. Jer- Jerry Kalman, who will talk a little bit about what it's like to uh, exhibit here, what you need to be part of the American Pavilion. We, we liked him a lot. Uh, Lisa Hilbert from Toynamics talked about distributing in uh, Germany and Austria. Correct. And then I sat down with Jörg Meister, who's a trade editor and also a brand consultant, talking a little bit more about the, the German market and, and what he sees is ahead for us. Well, that's some interesting stuff. Yeah, so sit back and uh, listen in. Uh, I think you'll enjoy these. Chris, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. Okay. I'm always glad to meet new people. <laughs> Jerry Kalman with Kalman Expo. I've known Jerry, I guess, for about 10 years now. And uh, what, what Kalman Expo does is it is it really uh, handles the entire American section here at the Spielwarenmesse in Nuremberg, Germany. So, Jerry, did he get it right? Yes. <laughs> Great. Yeah, okay. And uh, so, Jerry, I, I guess the first question uh, was, why don't you just uh, explain to viewers uh, your company's special relationship with the Spielwerdmesse? In the whole of the world, there are huge exhibition centers, and they need representation in all different countries in the world. In the United States, instead of offering, opening up their own office, the Spielwarenmesse contracted me about beginning about 18 years ago to represent them and to make their product and their their show better known both to potential exhibitors and to potential visitors. And uh, you manage the American section. And um, can you tell us a little bit about um, who are some of the companies from the states that are in the section and yeah. what are the services that you offer? Sure. Well... Part of what we do is to manage what is called the U.S. Uh, pavilion. The Germans call it a Gemeinschaftsstand. And we have a, a limited amount of space that we fill. And over the years, it's developed. We have some big names in there. For example, Funko is one of our exhibitors. A big name in the um, licensing industry is Thinkway. And those are some of the big boys. Yeah. 
But in uh, in a smaller respect, we have nine square meter, which would be the equivalent of 10 by 10 boots in the United States. And we have some smaller companies. Aeromax comes to mind. Uh, another one this year is new as Little Kids. And uh, small company Senko, they make the smelly toys. Uh, in it, smelly in a good way. I hope so. So, so on one hand, uh, we cater to new companies, but on the other hand, some of the more established companies like the services we provide them, like the location that we're in, and so they come back year after year. Now, uh, just going back to um, the services, why don't you? Could you tell us a little bit about what services you provide? So we really break the U.S. exhibitors into two types, independent exhibitors or pavilion exhibitors. For the independent exhibitors, they may need something as simple as just the contract to sign. But some of them say, hey, we want to be in Hall 3 because that's where our toy products are. But we've never been to Germany before. How do we get a stand builder? What if we need hostesses? What if we need all these different things? Since we have 18 years' experience, all that information we make available to them. And there's no charge because we work off a commission with the organizers. So whatever they need, we can provide it. On the side of the pavilion exhibitors, uh, we actually build their stands. We have a lounge where they can come during the day, get a drink, get a snack, get away from the booth just to relax a little bit. And uh, everything, again, uh, if they need advice with getting their freight to the show or having a special hostess on their stand or setting up a particular event, we're there to help them with that. I'm thinking if I'm one of the folks sitting at home, I'm thinking, what kind of snacks? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good question because uh, the Germans are very elaborate on their stands. You know, they, they serve... Uh, four course meals sometimes, <laughs> but we provide typical American snacks. Uh, cook- American pavilion. That's right, American pavilion. We provide cookies, we provide potatoes, chips, we provide uh, pretzels, and then we also provide you know soft drinks. Okay, and you also provide translators, don't you? We do. Uh, it seems like really important to me. It is. All, all of our hosts and hostesses uh, typically speak five languages. Um, and so if an American has a, a Dutch company come on their boot or an Italian company or a Spanish or French company, they just come to us and say, hey, I need some help. And one of our translators is there to help them. You know, Jerry, you've been coming for 18 years. And uh, does anything stand out for you, any differences between now and 18 years ago? A lot of things. The show has become much, much more international. 18 years ago, I believe the visitorship was... German and 45% international. This year, I just found out so far in the first two days, the visitorship is 70% international and only 30% German. I was told uh, you estimated you would have 15 new companies this year, but you actually have 25 new companies. So the thought that 25 new companies came to this show from the United States to me is pretty remarkable. I think that really speaks to the changing nature of trade shows and something we've been looking at for a couple of years is where am I going to get the best bang for my buck? Right. So, Jerry, what do you tell people when they say, well, should I be at the Nuremberg show? My expertise really isn't the toy industry. That people come to us with a lot of questions as to whether or not they should be here or not. And after the 18 years, we know enough about the industry to say, we think it would be a good expender of your money or we think you should you should investigate it a little more depending upon what the toy is and where that company is 
in life. You know, if, if you're a brand new company and you're looking to spend your dollars the best, I would tell them, why don't you try the New York Toy Fair first? Jerry, I'm sure there's going to be folks out there listening and they're probably going to want to get in touch with Calman Expo. So can you tell folks uh, what's the best way to do that? Our information as the U.S. representative is listed on the Toy Fair website, which is www.toyfair.de. But we're, our offices are in New Jersey. And uh, we're always happy to hear from people directly. And uh, we can be reached either by email. Mine is jerry at colmanexpo.com. That's K-A-L-L-M-A-N-E-X-P-O. Jerry with a J. Or they can give us a call at 201-652-7070. So, Richard. Yes, sir. We are at Toys Meets Books. It's a, a unique uh, Pavilion, I guess you'd call it, at the show where it's showing the interaction of toys and books. And we've got Harry Potter and all kinds of great things. It's really a great place to be. But we're going to switch gears now. We're going to talk about distribution. We are joined by Lisa Hilbert, who is head of marketing for Toynamics Europe. Uh, Lisa, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Lisa, tell us what Toynamics does. Yeah, so Toynamics is actually um, a toy distribution company um, for Germany and Austria. Uh, yeah, we have many brands and we call ourselves um, yeah, a distribution manufacturer. So um, we, we do both. We do manufacture manufacturing uh, in, in China. We do wooden toys um, and also distribute other brands. Okay, and the other brand, why don't you tell us the other brands you distribute? Yeah, so we have a quite wide uh, brand variety. So we have wooden toys, um, which are mainly represented by the brand Hape. And then we have also um, arts and crafts uh, brands, for example, Nebula Stars, which is a Canadian um, arts and craft brand. Um, we do organic plush toys uh, represented by the brand uh, Zenger, uh, high quality uh, plush toys. And also the brand Kitty Cruz, which is yeah historically known as the brand for uh, dolls in Germany. And um, just tell us a little bit about what you make in wood. Yeah, in wooden toys, meaning mainly Happy brand. Historically, uh, we were just the manufacturer um, producing for other brands and for, for other companies. So we did mainly OEM business. Um, but uh, as we uh, learned that there are some peak seasons uh, when we when we manufacture for for other brands and companies, uh, we need to to somehow use the low seasons, and and that's why uh, we created our own brand Happy. So um, yeah, we we do toys um, for age groups from zero to three, um, and do everything between puzzle, learning toys, or. Um, yeah, push and pull toys. Here we are at the Nuremberg Toy Fair, biggest show in the world for toys. What do you, as you look ahead to 2020, what do you see as some of the biggest opportunities and some of the big challenges you're going to face? So the challenge we're facing currently is the change from like high street uh, retail business, like brick and what we call brick and mortar stores, brick and mortar stores, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, to the online business. So we're trying to guide our uh, retailers um, to. Yeah, get this transmission uh, going really smoothly. So we guide them in both channels, um, supporting them with, uh, for example, experiential marketing in the, in the, um, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a big deal right now. If, if you're going to be in a in a, what you call a stationary store, or we call a brick and mortar outlet, 
you have to really create some kind of event for your shoppers. That's true. Yes. So we, yeah. So in those uh, stores, we're trying to create an experience. So we um, offer to our customers a special shop and shop uh, with experiential elements, such as uh, tunnels, like railway tunnels, where they can the kids can go through play tables and interactive modules. But also for our online customers, uh, we offer special activities, special marketing campaigns around uh, their business. So supporting both uh, channels and and guiding them through through this transmission. So if somebody wants to know about your company, okay, if somebody wants to find out more uh, about Toynamics, uh, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so they can go online, of course, uh, go to toynamics.com. Uh, get in touch with us, um, and we've also got a B2B online um, platform where they can, of course, see all our products and, um, yeah, also purchase them and get some service. You service Germany and Austria. Those are the two countries. Yes, correct. Okay. So I have one more question for you before we let you go back to this very busy fair. So we do a lot of work mostly in the United States, and social media marketing is huge over there. Have you found that to be uh, as powerful in the, the markets you serve, Germany and Austria? Yeah, definitely. Social media is a big thing for us as well, um, especially since we uh, created our new online shop for HP brand. Uh, we linked it also to our online um, and social media channels, um, and this had a huge impact. So we could immediately increase sales once we linked um, Instagram and Facebook to our online shop. So we, we saw the development and saw the impact that uh, social media actually has nowadays. And if somebody uh, has a line out there, that they would like you to distribute for them in Germany and Austria. How should they con- who should they make contact with or how should they go about making contact for that specific reason? Yeah, they can definitely go online, check the website and uh, we have a contact form there and then we will definitely go back to get back to them. Or they could just, uh, yeah, directly visit us during the next uh, fair or during this fair. Come by and, uh, yeah, send us some information about their brand. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for spending the time with us. Uh, we hope you have a, a great show, or as they, as they say at the Hong Kong show, we wish you good business. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I enjoyed having you. So I'm sitting here in a quiet place for once with Jörg Meister, who is CEO of the branding company Little Big Things, and he has an online trade magazine covering Germany. Um, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Hello, Chris. Hello. Uh, so, so tell me a little bit about Little Big Things before before we get going into the meat of the market, if you will. So, Little Big Things is an agency um, which I founded ten years ago with my colleague Eva. Um, we're covering toys and baby gear. Um, and we're consulting companies uh, for product development, uh, brand development, and brand positioning. Uh, and you work mostly in Germany? Well, Germany, German-speaking market, and we also have some customers in Hong Kong. So tell me a little bit about the trade magazine, what you're seeing at the at the Nuremberg show, and, and something about the German market right now for toys and, and baby products. The Nuremberg show is, uh, well, the, the biggest thing in Germany, and uh, it's covering all the fields which are important for us and we, we we see a lot of movement in the German market or in the German trade uh, towards online we are following the, quite quite much the trends they show here in 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 the show well since a lot of our listeners are in the US um, they may not be as informed about the German market as as you are living here and, and working in it 
What are some of the big trends that are shaping the German market right now? Are they global trends? Are they local trends? Tell me a little bit about that. Well, there are global trends, of course. Uh, we have uh, the surprise and LOL thing as well here. <laughs> um, but I think there are still many differences from, from German market compared to U.S. market. When it comes to sustainability, for example, in some parts... My feeling is we are ahead of the U.S. market. And when it comes to digital digital stuff and, and licensed market, I think you're a bit ahead. We have a different educational background in Germany, so we, we are quite protective when it comes to digital. I think the market and also the trade is a bit nervous about not having relevance anymore when it gets more and more digital. You walk around the show and you see so many beautiful products. I mean, I've, I've been going on about this Bauhaus design <laughs> Uh, block set and, and so many of the wooden toys that I've seen. Uh, it just seems like there's such a, a wonderful aesthetic uh, in the design that I'm seeing from the German companies. That's right. Uh, well, Bauhaus maybe is for the collectors and for, for the adults. German kids like color too. In general, I think we, we are more pure design and not that bright and shiny and right. loud. And we consider educational design or educational toys different than you do in U.S. So my feeling about U.S. is that, that you emphasize the STEM and the, the learning aspects in the toys pretty much, which is not that, that much in Germany. Because uh, I, I think we have it more in, in our DNA that playing is learning. Yes, And so we don't need to emphasize it that much. Well, people who listen to this know um, I take a fairly contrarian view about all of that. And the, the whole STEM and STEAM and STREAM is so often used just for marketing. And it doesn't really uh, show up in the, in the toy. And I agree with you. All play is, is learning. It's experiential. It's expressive, exploratory. All of those things are really important. And I think that sometimes we get into this whole sort of it has to be productive from an educational standpoint instead of can't we just play a little bit <laughs> i think we see it also in the in the board game market which is it's a big and growing uh, field of, of of the industry i guess and, and the german market is growing as well for for the board games and german games And I think that shows a lot how, how the German market works. So it's still more family-driven, more uh, cooperative, and uh, more about well, coming together to play. And, and what about retail? I mean, we, we've talked a lot about the, the changes in, in brick-and-mortar retailing in the United States as well as online. What, what's happening in Germany with, with retailing? I think it's pretty much the same, but on a slower rate. We still stick to brick-and-mortar and, and owner-driven brick-and-mortar retail. Uh -huh. It's really important and big in, in Germany. We don't have those really big changes like you have them in the U.S. Big ones in Germany might blame me here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. They're probably not listening. <laughs> we, we have them, right. of course. Yeah, of course. Um, but I think the local markets are much more important here. And some of your big games companies, I mean, there are making a, a splash in the U.S. Ravensburger being being one of them. We see we see that a lot. Uh, what are some of your other big game uh, brands here? You mean board game? Board game. Board game board, brands. Yeah. Well, we have uh, Pegasus Spiele. Um, we have Haber for the little kids. Um, we have uh, Jumbo Spiele, uh, Jumbo Dieset. Uh, we have Schmidt Spiele. And they're, they're really 
big thing in Germany. So board games, of course, stay really, really hot. And, and there's a whole hall devoted to model trains, which are, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's wonderful, but, but it's not something we see in the U.S. that much. You see many more trains here in Germany and throughout Europe. So, so kids are going to respond to those. And there's some beautiful companies here doing, doing great work. I think it's uh, more the older kids. Oh yeah, so and collectors. Th- th- those young and hard. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, okay, so the collectors, but it's still a big business. It is. It is. Yeah, um, I think it's well. It's still a big business because uh, the age group which is addicted to trains has the money now, right? And has an empty, empty house because the, the kids are not at home anymore. Right. Uh, so they have the space and the money to, to afford the drains. But uh, I think that might go good for the next 10 years and then right. it's dropping. Right, because tra- trains are not a part of, of life. When the, when the model trains were really big, at least in the U.S. starting in 1900 with Lionel, um, trains were, you know, kids would go down to the tracks to watch the trains. It's how people got around. It was before really the automobile. So trains were trains were it. Not so much in the culture anymore. But it's quite quite the same here. I think the, the train manufacturers have quite a hard time. Uh-huh. So it's not a growing market. Well, you wouldn't know it to go to walk around the hall. It's really it, it's it's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. So one of the other big trends we've seen at the show is is really sustainability. And I, I've talked to a lot of companies, German companies, uh, about that while I've been visiting here, uh, and even not German companies, Plant Toys being one example. Uh, these are uh, this is a big deal. It is, and I'm really happy that well, my wishes come true now. I I don't know if you remember uh, the the Spivan Messe announced the trend green toys. Uh, I think six, seven, eight years ago, right? And that I had the feeling nothing happens, but now there are the materials, there are um, restrictions. Um, and there is the mindset uh, coming from the public, putting pressure on the manufacturers, uh, what to become greener. And uh, what well, now it happens, and that that makes me really happy that uh, many companies search for new materials, search for new production methods, uh, search for ways to get rid of plastic in the packaging. And well, I'm positive that now it's gonna. Well, make bigger steps and, and, and go ahead to, to become the industry more green. Well, we are a plastic-driven industry, but, uh, but still we can be conscious about it and, and reduce the plastic. Well, Jürgen Meister, thank you so much for spending time with us. We certainly appreciate it. We'll send you back into the show, and hopefully you don't get too tired. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Chris. <laughs> thank you. Well, Chris, it's, it really looks like uh, I'm heading back to uh, the United States tomorrow morning. Uh, I'm catching a train to Frankfurt. Some of you may be interested to know that uh, you can fly into Frankfurt instead of having to change planes to come to Nuremberg. There is no direct flight from the States. Right. Um, you can take a train, and the train comes to the airport. It's a couple hours, very pleasant so, yeah, drive. Just over two hours. <laughs> it's, it's like going from... Um what New York to Washington, almost a little, little, little less, little less. Yeah, and then with uh, to Baltimore. Okay, <laughs> Chris, you're staying through Monday. I am staying through Monday. I'll be talking to some more people. I'll bring some solo interviews to the table, and uh, hope to see a lot more toys and give my feet a chance to heal. So, Richard, thanks for making the trip over here. We've had a great time over here. We have had a great time, and we'll see you at Toy Fair. All right. <laughs>